Welcome to the Business Developers Network, where today's leading business developers share and learn innovative business development concepts to generate greater value for their businesses. Hosted by Artie Ruderman, Principal of Innovative Growth Solutions. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. And now please welcome your host of the Business Developers Network, Artie Ruderman. Hello, welcome to Business Developers Network. With us, we have two guests this morning, Emmanuel S. Tudor and Craig Apatov. Emmanuel is the business development and IS manager at Manufacturing Assemblies Corporation. Emmanuel holds a degree in both computer engineering and business administration from Mercer University, and he applied them in a very useful way uh, for information technology and in the service industry. Before becoming a business development and IS manager at Manufacturer Assemblies Corporation, Emmanuel was a product and sales manager for various Cisco partners and president of Quality Data Products, as the name suggests, a technology data company. I define business development as any activity that generates values. And Emmanuel has an interesting mix of qualifications to be an effective business developer. And I would like to ask you how you applied those skill sets at Mac. But first, let's learn about Mac. Would you care to tell yeah, us a absolutely. little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Artie. Uh, Manufactured Assemblies Corporation was founded in 1976 as a cable house. I mean, literally just assembling cables, manufacturing cables for internal components. Many times when we think of a cable, we just visualize the external components, but many of the electronic devices in our lives that we interact with have internal, very custom, very niche, very proprietary cables. So uh, the business developed, grew over the years, and uh, we found that we could do more than just cables. Some of our customers dictated that we do more than cables. And before you know it, Mac evolved into a contract manufacturer. All the specialization that we had in the cable, we applied to other products. And 1994, the company's based out of Dayton, Ohio, about 40 million revenue per location. 1994, we opened up an affiliate location in Atlanta, Georgia. One of our biggest customers moved from Dayton to Atlanta. And uh, so we moved with them. And what started off as five employees from Dayton, Ohio, grew to 100 here in Atlanta right now. And it's actually in Buford, Georgia right now. And it's a full contract manufacturing. We do design. We do engineering work. We do, you know, from first article to production, infant to mortality of a product. So um, the company is... um, is very interesting in the aspect that if you were to walk our warehouse, whether in Dayton, Ohio, or Atlanta, Georgia, one day you might see golf clubs being assembled for TaylorMade, and the next day kiosks for Delta Airlines. So very, very modular in the aspect of employee skill set and uh, production levels, uh, but at the same time, very specific and customer intimate. So, I like that because it, it's already uh, an extension of capabilities. Right. And we, we pride ourselves in being an extension of our customers. Um, but the main, for, uh, for our listeners who are not familiar sure. when you say wire harnesses, uh, wire harnesses and cables are the connectors that go into kiosks like uh, cash registers and ATM machines. And of course, you have some leading manufacturing electronic companies that you provide those for. Absolutely. Um, they, they range from anything inside a consumer electronic printer, cable assembly there, ribbon that connects the head to the actual motherboard, all the way to cables that are down to a gauge two 
uh, very thick, very, you know, for power companies. Uh, we tap into medical device, we aerospace industry, we do a, a good bit of work in transportation. So, you know, obviously we had to get the certifications in place to be able to dabble in several industries. You know, we said, why just cables? Let's open it up. You know, our, you mentioned kiosk. We do a lot of kiosks. And what started off as, well, we're building these cables that are going inside your kiosks. Why not just assemble the whole product? And so, you know, raw material comes in from overseas. We assemble it, package ship it, stamp it, made in the USA, and it's out the door. Our customers' customers don't even know we exist, yet the products get manufactured and uh, delivered. So in order to adapt to these capabilities, the infrastructure needed to adapt to these capabilities. Absolutely. So when you came on board, what did you see there and what did you think you had to do? Right. So I was brought in. uh, I'm an interesting animal. Um, Previously self-employed, had a company of 17 employees in Atlanta, just up the road here in Buckhead. I come to the table as a computer engineer first and foremost. And then the business side of it is, is just kind of a drive I've always had since I was little. So it's a hard animal to mix because you think a computer engineer is a cubicle worker. He's OCD. He wants to get the numbers in place. And a business guy is not. He's in sales. So I came aboard and the team was really trying to get from 30 million to 100 million. You know, that was that was a big goal, you know, increase revenue, increase margin, do whatever we can to get there. And so I used the computer engineering aspect for my first six months to baseline myself with the manufacturing process, the lean technology, the the whole continuous improvement, Six Sigma. Just, you know, for me, it was new. I'm coming from computer hardware resale to manufacturing. The remaining six months of the first year was to develop processes internally on the IT side, whether it was server, whether it was workstation related. You know, one example was many of the employees were using one monitor. And I came in there and gave everybody a dual monitor video card, and now they're doing spreadsheets on one and internet on the other. And you know, anything I could do to squeeze out more productivity, to lower the lead time, to to lower the amount of wasted time, and then increase efficiency. So first year baselining, getting the technology kinks out of the way, website, email, marketing, search engine optimization, bring them up to 2020, so to speak, you know, from uh, the mentality of, you know, we're going to knock on doors or we're just going to keep catering to the same customers. So you were brought on as an an engineer for the company on the IT side or for the business development side? That's a good question. One way or the other, you morphed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in in many companies of this size, you'll find people wearing multiple hats. And so my official title is Director of Business Development and Information Systems Manager. That is strange. Right. Isn't that strange? (laughs) Yeah. So I I really had to put on the business development hat after I developed the systems in place. I felt like before we could open the floodgates to new business and more business, there had to be be a process in place that could handle it. I'm not saying that it, there wasn't a good process when I got there. I was just tasked to make it better. So after the first year of the computer engineering hat, the systems administrator hat, it became time to become the business development guy and then um, go out, go after new business. Sometimes, you know, our customers, uh, their competitors, you know, why not manufacture for them? Obviously within the realms of NDAs, but the market is so big when you're a contract manufacturer because literally we have customers that come to us with an idea on a napkin and say, hey, can you build this? We did an electronic cigarette for a company, a Vapor Flask actually, and we said, no, it's not manufacturable. You know, we're looking at the design, it's bad, but no, 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 this is going to be great. No, no, no. So after going back and forth several times, we said, if you let us build it like this, we'll help you. And and they, they did it and it was a success and, you know, the product launched and it was a great deal of revenue and success for them. And, and for us, you know, we pride ourselves in not just being the go do this and we'll do it and get it handled, but also very implemental in the manufacturability of a product, the design, the engineering. And then we have other, you know, customers that come and say, just buy the raw material from here 
assemble it, and ship it here. But what I find interesting is here you're a cable assembly company. All of a sudden you're moving into contract company, and now you're going into engineering, right? So that's very progressive management to be open to take advantage of the opportunities that clients are bringing to them. You're spot on. And and this evolution didn't happen overnight. I mean, we've been in business 40 years and, you know, what started as a cable house, you know, a few employees, uh, Fred Neimer and his sons, and it's a family business in Dayton, Ohio, evolved into this. As our customers started demanding more, uh, we said we can do more. Uh, We we started hiring talent. We started putting revenue, uh, you know, capital investments in equipment that could do more. And, And before you know it, here we are in 2018 as a full contract manufacturer. So the only real cable is the cable in our name. Manufactured Assemblies Corporation is a contract manufacturer. We we're right up there, you know, competing with the likes of Flextronics and uh, you know J Bill and, and others in that realm. However, our specialty, our core competency, is custom cable assemblies. Well, I'm on a mission to to get across that business development is not just marketing and sales. That for me, I, I, I define it as any activity that generates value. And you are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, you've taken the infrastructure yeah. and given it cap- capabilities that were able them to develop business. Right, right. And so, you know, I have an, the mindset of, you know, make it better than it was when you got there, right? Leave it better than you found it, uh, whether it's Boy Scout mentality or whatever you want to call it. But why not use something you're good at? If you're a great salesman and you go into business development, sell, 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 right? Uh, If you're a computer engineer, in my case, why not develop the best computer infrastructure for the company, put in the best analytics, the best ERP, the best CRM, get the sales team motivated, get everything before you, you know, put on the whining and dining business development external. Why not make it internally sound before you go sell externally? And so uh, I used every ability I had in that. And, you know, it helped to be a previous business owner and understand the the big picture effect of some of the changes I was implementing. You know, you can't wild west your way through things just because you're a subject matter expert in that. But it, it proved well for me. You know, a business developer, in my mind, develops business both by internal change that enables to you or the company to do more business, but also by external change that, um, you know, drives more business to the company. I'm just curious, Mac is an international company, correct? I mean, your products go globally. Absolutely, yes. Um, we we do Fortune 1000 companies, Fortune 500. We we work with some very globally recognizable names, and uh, you would never know it. Like I said, the only thing that gives it away that we had any hand in it is the fact that it's made in the USA. That's so, interesting. Yeah, we have some international companies that probably just for that value add send their products to us. We assemble. We test, we burn in, package, ship out, back overseas to them. Well, before we break and introduce our new guest, uh, how would people get in touch with you or with Mac? Absolutely. The best way would be to go to our website, which is www.mac-cable.com. You could send an email to sales at mac-cable.com. Or uh, feel free to drop by our location at 1810 Satellite Boulevard, uh, Buford, Georgia, where we can be reached online. Our contact information is there, and we'd be more than glad to help with whatever contract manufacturing needs they may have. Great. And any last words you'd like to? No, Artie, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm excited about this the opportunity in, in business development in the metro Atlanta area and, and just in general, if we can help each other think about business development in a new way, which I think I've helped a little today. Uh, I think it's a win-win for everyone. Thank That's, you. You are a, a tremendous example of what I was presenting. So thank you very much. I'd like to introduce Craig Apatoff. Good morning. And Craig Apatoff is the managing partner of Ascension Strategies. Uh, he 
was a chief marketing officer for over 20 years of experience in strategic marketing, general manage, and consultative business development for multiple Fortune 100 companies. Uh, he's the lead partner at Ascension for their industrial client engagements and a lead trainer for Ascension. He's recognized marketing in retail industry, a thought leader, a speaker, and a graduate of University of Florida. Craig helped develop and grow some of the world's largest and most iconic brands, which include ConAgra, Food, Citibank, GM, Mattel, Time Warner, Walt Disney, and brands such as Hunt's Ketchup and Mattel Hot Wheels, and also worked with Turner Broadcasting and CNN, the Braves. I can just keep going on. That's quite accomplished. Thank you. Uh, but I also want to add that he also led major digital initiatives for Citibank, especially in the e-commerce area globally. Uh, and developed Auto Trader, and wow, this is impressive. Was uh, involved in initiating GMC's bank, uh, recently named Ally Bank. Craig, nice to be here. Why, thank you. Uh, full disclosure: I recently became an associate of your company right. because your company has deep research data uh, capabilities and interpretive powers that I wanted to tap into. But I feel that you could probably describe Ascension better than I can today. Well, Ascension is a growth and innovation strategy firm. We uh, we're all about helping companies achieve organic growth, which we do, or top line organic growth, if you will. We're not a cost-cutting consultancy. We're not a process improvement consultancy, and we're not a technology development firm. We're all about helping companies find new customers, new accounts, a bigger relationship, grow the existing relationships they have, and move into new markets, and also uh, develop and, and benefit from new products and services. So we're all about top-line organic revenue growth. We've been around about 15 years. We have 33 consultants, which makes us a boutique firm. We're not very big, but we're pretty broad in our reach. We have clients all over the world, Europe. Canada, Mexico, and throughout the United States. One of the reasons I'm delighted to be with you is that we don't have that many clients in Atlanta, which is a, an area we'd like to grow more. Uh, but we have a few. We work across multiple industry verticals is the fancy term, meaning we work in different industries. We do a lot of work in healthcare and financial services and manufacturing and distribution as a manual's business would be a perfect example, uh, and consumer products and a bit of work in media and entertainment. The only industry I think we haven't done that much work in is pure technology. So it, it sounds like you're in a hybrid position between a, a, a management consulting company and a marketing company. Well, we are a management consulting company. We compete with the bigs, the McKinsey's, the Boston consultant groups of the world with a couple of very important differences. Uh, our consultants have significant experience and accomplishments, so they understand that affecting change and growth in an established company is not as simple as a strategy deck with some recommendations. We actually work with our clients and help them execute those programs and get the impact that is promised. Uh, our consultants have 20 plus mm -hmm. years experience, typically 15 years. We, we have a few younger uh, folks on the digital side, but, but a lot of our people understand that affecting change, uh, you're going you're to meet a lot of challenges, change resistance, inertia. We haven't done it that way in the past politics, a lot of things get in the way of actually growing. So when companies like Emmanuel's, for example, want to go from 30 million to 100 million. Good example. They've got to do some things differently. They've got to think differently about what they're doing. And some companies have a hard time doing that. Other companies recognize that if we're going to make that big cross that chasm, and there is a big chasm, typically between 50 million and 100 million is a big one. And then from 100 million to say 300 million is another big one. And say 500 million to a billion. So we, we focus in the 50 million to $500 million company size range. 
So using Mac as, as an example, how would you help a company in, in Mac's so position? Let, let me pick up an example. So Mac talked about doing a bunch of kiosks. Absolutely. We had a client come to us called Brand Bank a few years ago who wanted to grow their business, but they were under a government restriction because of the mortgage crisis that they couldn't open physical branches, no more bricks and mortar. So how are you going to grow and expand your deposit base and your customer base and your revenue base without the ability to open physical locations? So we developed a number of concepts and ways that they could possibly position themselves and develop new ideas. One of them was a virtual banking concept where people would go to what was really a kiosk, two-way interactive video conference, but not a real bank, not a bricks and mortar branch, but rather a small kiosk that had a screen. You insert your ATM card and the person on the other side comes on the screen. They know all about you and they can do everything in that kiosk that they do in a normal bank. <laughs> Cash a check, give you change, move money, transfer money from one account to the next. You could deposit money to open a new account. So, so we tested that concept with consumers found it to be very inviting. We then worked with them on the development of this. We found a company that could build that had this technology sort of in its nascent stages called NCR. Uh, and Brand became the first bank in the country to deploy virtual banking kiosks. They're called Brand Express. And what's interesting when we talk about impact, because our company Ascension, our tagline is from insight to impact. So what's the impact? For Brand Bank, each of those kiosks, they have about 10 or 12 of them now. Each one is doing over a billion and a half dollars a year of new account openings wow. through a virtual experience. So that's an example of the transformative work we do with clients to help them grow. I'd like to jump in here because sure, this is you. actually the best example you could have possibly used. <laughs> that company NCR came to Mac a contract manufacturer and had us build and assemble these kiosks that went to brand bank. So you knew about this. <laughs> I knew about there this. There you go. <laughs> we actually, you know, Artie didn't know he had two players from right. the same success right. on and, the same show. And so, Artie, yeah. well done. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a great example. You see, you needed components, you mm -hmm. needed specialized technology, which, which, uh, which Mac was able to provide. Ascension provided the thought leadership and the expertise and really the inertia because a lot of companies don't know how to get from point A to point B. We help them do that, connect the dots. We have a company right now that uh, in the, in the, in the uh, well, I shouldn't get into it. They're, they're in the <laughs> container business, mm -hmm. but they've got a very strong innovation and they were simply going to put that innovation in the container and enhance it. But we said, wait a minute, there's a much bigger idea here. This is something that consumers feel is very, very important. You need to own that. And you need to brand it, you need to position it in the market, and you need to be what we call the first mover in your category so that you can leverage being first into a business impact. So this is the kind of thing we typically do. Well, thank you. You know, I, I'm on, on a mission to take business development. And again, most if you ask most people, they will tell you it's marketing and sales and Ascension and where you're coming from, Craig, is so much more as you're showing us. It starts with the insight and, and then it goes to developing that strategy, interpreting that insight. Right. So just talk about that because that right. opens up people's minds that it's really just not the marketing and salesperson. It's the executive office. It is. In fact, senior management has to be invested in this process and they have to, they have to support it. We typically will come in through the senior management and work with the next level down, the, the heads of marketing marketing and sales and product development and so forth and research if they have it. But our approach is what we call AIMS, analytics, insights, marketing optimization and sales enablement. Those are what we call the levers of top line growth. You've really got to be doing some things in all four of those areas. Analytics, meaning the financial drivers of profitable new growth. You got to understand what a profitable new customer looks like and the dimensions of that. Many of our clients have many clients that are unprofitable and they had no idea. In fact, one of our clients was a bank, a different bank. After we analyzed their business and looked at their portfolio, 90% of their customers were unprofitable. Only 10% of their customers were paying the bills. This is pretty common. It's what we call 
called Pareto's rule, 80, 20, the 80 20 rule, which is you typically run your business on 10 to 20% of your customers really profitable. But we want to help customer clients get more profitable customers like that. So analytics is important. The second step is insights. What are the gaps or opportunities in the market? We call them exploitable gaps that a company can fill with a new product, with a different way of doing things, with a different positioning, addressing a concern that their customers may have that no one else is talking about. So we call that insight mining, which is a fancy term for marketing research. Once we understand those two things, we've got a foundation, an insight foundation of analytics and financials and opportunities based on research that we can then exploit in the market with marketing and sales. You know, often for my company, Innovative Growth Solutions, which is a corporate and business development company, I'm tapped to help with sales. You know, they've hit a plateau and they feel the immediate need. And I want to address what you just said in sequence, because what I explain to my clients is if you have a sales issue, we need to look at the reason you have a sales issue. Is it innovation in the marketplace? Is it capabilities of the company? And so the way you just described it, it's really really is sequential, isn't it? Well, let me talk about that for a minute. Typically, what we find is it's not as complex as root cause analysis that you have a sales issue. It's very simple. Most people today that are in consultative sales either have not been trained properly or their management is not challenging them to really think about their territories and build a strategic territory growth plan. So one of the things we do is work with companies, and I'll give you an example. We're going back to, I think, hopefully work with a company we've worked with in Europe, where we train 90 of their sales leaders and how to develop a territory or regional growth plan with 14 different tools. You know, what markets am I going to target? Where is their white space opportunity to sell existing customers new things that they're not buying? Political mapping. Who in the organization should we be spending our time with? The fundamental basis of great consultative selling is the fact that salespeople only control two things, where they spend their time and what they say in front of customers. So we want to focus on maximizing those two things. What accounts, what relationships, what levels should I be spending my time with, and which ones should I not be spending my time with? Who should we send to the internet, to the to the inside sales group to handle that because it's not a good use of our time? And then once we get a chance to be in front of a customer for 20 or 30 minutes, how do we make the most use out of that? How do we ask strategic questions, deal with objections, you know, handle the objections that would inevitably come up? And how do we turn that opportunity into a selling opportunity by helping customers express their real needs that we can then well, that, that's work. important, of course, because that's just effective I- implementation of the strategy. But uh, again, I'm going back to that sequential. Does it, does it not start with insight? It, it can, but it, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes companies simply have sales issues. Oh, sure. Many of the mid-sized companies between 20 and 100 million don't think a lot about marketing or an- analytics. They think about sales because sales equals revenue, right. and they really value that. Mm-hmm. So we'll often come into a mid-sized company purely focused on the sales enablement area, helping them fix that, and we may then go upstream and help them identify new markets and develop new products. But we start by fixing and helping optimize the sales process. Uh, by the way, uh, Isidore, please, I'm sorry, Emmanuel, yeah. please, please join in at this point because <laughs> no, it's this, really open for This a- is great. You know, uh, this is, you know, there's many things um, I find myself doing or there are many things I find myself doing that to me are intuitive, but to others are not. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we're doing here is we're labeling the levers uh, or the levers that need to be pulled for right. the company to be successful. Not, you know, not every sales rep has the same intuition as you and I, Artie, and Craig over here. So it's very important to measure, define, and then show an accomplishment, show a success at it. I'm thinking back at my early days at qualitydataproductsqdp.com when I started that company. My first few sales reps, I mean, it was 
Coffee is for closers. I made him watch Wall Street, <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Glenn Gary and, Ross. And Boiler Great Room. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three DVDs. Welcome to, you know, quality data products. Watch these. If you're not money hungry, you're going to starve. It was a little reckless and probably a little childish. I was 24 when I, you know, started that company, but... I think it, it was brilliant. It, it, it worked well. So here's a, a very white glove, more boutique, more refined approach to it is, you know, obviously what is it, what are your sales reps not doing? You know, what can you train them on? The owners have to have buy-in. Well, the other side is, is not only accountability, but coaching and mentoring and feedback. You've got to work with them. So a lot of our work is training managers how to manage their sales force, how to give them feedback, both positive and negative, how to give them that feedback in a way that is constructive and how to help them be successful. It's not about eliminating people. It's about helping people get to the next level. So it's one thing to train and learn the tools. It's another to be able to manage and coach. Absolutely. I'm sure you learned that intuitively and over the years. Yeah. A question for you. Do you, you know, this was the paradigm I always found myself in. Do you hire a sales rep and teach them technology or the industry or do you hire a technology guy and teach them how to sell? I mean, is chicken or the egg or does it differ by person? I think you can do both. Yeah. Um, Generally, what we hire is we hire for potential and for values and personality. We want an intelligent person who appears to have high potential. And if you give them the right tools and the right coaching and mentoring and process with accountability as well, they will rise to the occasion. It's not like you can just let them go. Many of the salespeople in the industrial companies we work with have a lot of experience. They're what we call cowboys or renegades. I know everything. I've been doing it a long time. There's nothing new I can learn. The reality is we all should continuously be learning. And with a good sales manager, even a a 60-year-old, 70-year-old salesperson who's been doing it forever can learn new things that they can apply tomorrow. So the key is not just hiring the right people, but mentoring and developing and giving them a system. The biggest problem we have is when companies start and then they give up. Okay, we got it now. Thank you. You got to stay consistent because if you do, this process will pay off. I I think we can continue for another half hour, but we're just about out of time. I want you to give your contact information, but I just want you to address the the question that Emmanuel brought up. And I am a perfect example of that guy that's not an IT guy that's selling IT. I was not... Uh, have any knowledge of offshore fabrication for floating facilities for oil and gas and wound up selling six rigs for a billion and a half dollars. So there is another side to that equation of having somebody that understands the process of developing business. It's all about the right person and the right seat on the bus to go to great companies, right? (laughs) Right. Many ways to get to it, I guess. Craig, can you tell us how we can reach Ascension and you? Ascension is at ascensionstrategy.com. I can be reached at capatov, C-A-P-A-T-O-V at ascensionstrategy.com. That's A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N in the word strategy. Uh, and we're in Atlanta here and we'd love to uh, help Quam companies get to that next level. Well, thank you. We're going to sign off. I want to thank my guests very much. As you can tell, we just probably will keep our conversation going for the next half an hour. Thank you and goodbye. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks, we want to thank our guests, sponsors, and you, the audience, for joining us on the Business Developers Network. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. Today's broadcast can be heard on demand on your favorite internet channels, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and across the PBC syndicated networks. We invite you to share the show using the posted social media links and join Artie Ruderman and his guests on the next episode of the Business Developers Network.